What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. My name is Austin Jardine. Happy freaking June. I can't believe it's already that time of year to be getting out, camping, biking, boating, fishing, backpacking, all the goodies. But before you take off, don't forget to get your coffee situation squared away. Be sure to use code Vanguard at Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, get you uh, get you a subscription. Save 20%, which is nuts. That way, uh, while you're out doing your thing, uh, you won't be stranded without the caffeine. Avoid a caffeine catastrophe. No, it is a terrible deal when you run out of caffeine. Be sure to use code Vanguard, Black Rifle's website. Uh, save 20% and, uh, like I said, avoid potentially running out of caffeine. Today's episode, I am super excited about it uh, with Miss Ashley Vickers, who is an amazing person. Uh, I was stoked to... To, uh, to have had the chance to sit down and uh, have her share her story and life experiences all the way uh, from starting with SE Brands and uh, kind of working her way into uh, what she's doing now with the uh, Until Death Collective. And, uh, you know, I feel like the community that she is driving uh, is uh, is very much the community that I aspire to, uh, to kind of push forward to uh, with this podcast. You know, for those of you joining for the first time uh, or lest you have forgotten, uh, my goal, my mantra here is growth through story and strength through community. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, I sit down with folks, have them share really their life lessons, their stories, uh, find a hopefully uh, hopefully help you find a community to join in on or potentially tap into uh, some motivation or find a new hobby, whatever the case may be to really maximize your life experience with. So with all of that being said, you know, I really do my best to uh, to let the interviewee share their story. I don't really, uh, I do my best not to, to kind of commandeer the conversation, I guess you could say so much as be an active listener and active participant in uh, what it is that they're sharing. So with that being said, um, I am very excited. You know, I've already, I've already done my little, uh, my little spiel for a uh, code. So like I said, be sure to use code Vanguard, save 20% off Black Rifle's website. I'm super excited for this episode. No major updates other than if you haven't, please like subscribe, rate the show, follow me on the Instagrams. It means the world. And I want to continue pushing you all forward and, uh, you know, spreading, spreading the goodness and love that there is. Otherwise, I hope you all have a Wonderful day, and we will catch you next time. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. My name is Austin Jardine, and I am excited. We're recording on Friday. At least, I guess, yeah, we are recording on Friday. It's been like the longest, shortest week for me. It's after Memorial Day, and I'm like, I'm dragging my feet. The past couple of days, I haven't slept well, but the weather is super nice, and I'm sitting down with Ashley Vickers, and I'm, what up? What up? I know, I'm excited because you and I have chatted a couple of times kind of just like off and on about very random things, I feel like, over the past couple of months, maybe a year now, and you've got your your new fancy club society world that you're living in with until death collective (laughs) and i learned about this as we were talking and i'm excited to kind of get to know you a little bit more your story and what you're working on with until death and kind of how it came to be in whatever shape or form we decided to talk about it so without further ado if you don't mind maybe introducing yourself a little bit and i will uh ask questions and interrupt all right cool um well i am ashley my middle name is Pearl, as discussed, <laughs> the Ashley Pearl. 
because there's another Ashley Vickers and she's a Maxim model and she is like <laughs> nails. She's so fucking hot. And so uh, the only way to differentiate myself, if people ever Google me, is by making sure Ashley Pearl is in my name. Um, I feel like we're in a silent competition and I'm losing. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So uh, I work for Self Esteem Brands. It's the parent company of about five health and wellness franchises. Um, we have three gyms, our largest franchise group being Anytime Fitness. I specialize in international operations. So my primary responsibility is working with our partners overseas to ensure that their franchise systems are healthy and we're improving our bottom line revenue year over year, essentially. Um, and in my spare time, <laughs> I founded very recently until death collective. Um, and even though my name is the founder, right. I think it was actually more created by the community and you can see that on our Instagram page with, um, our athletic team and our team of wellness experts, um, really those are the people that kind of rallied behind me and encouraged me to start my own mission after leaving the gorilla group. Um, and we decided to do it together. So, um, yeah, we can talk more about that. If you want to talk more about that, or just, I don't know if you have any questions. Yeah, on anything yeah. I said so I was taking notes and, uh, and it's interesting because I feel like, um, career wise, spare time wise are, somewhat similar, but very different, right? How did you start working for self-esteem brands? Did you always want to work in international business? I mean, yeah, that that's from? a really great question. I um, have been working with the company for 12 years and um, international was my dream gig, like hands down, because really it's the dopest job in the world, right? <laughs> like I think so. Um, and so you know, I started off working for Anytime Fitness specifically. Okay. Um, I was 25 years old, which I'm almost 37 now. Um, and so to think back that long ago, I was like a tiny baby, <laughs> you know, and I started for $10 an hour. And um, I like really, I remember like people telling me that I had a dead end job, like, what am I doing? I need to, you know, use my degree my area of expertise but no matter what I did like the gym always felt like home for me I started working as a nanny in the daycare of Gold's Gym when I was 14 years old right <laughs> and I've always had no matter where I was in life at least a part-time gig in a fitness facility so um finding anytime fitness was great because our parent company is um self-esteem brands which is just an amazing organization I worked my way up. Um, I finally, I guess, had a good enough resume to apply for the international team. Um, and I got the job. And so, you know, moving to Minnesota to work for the internet, I moved all around the country working with Anytime Fitness um, as like a regional director, as a consultant, things like that. Um, so managing anywhere from like 10 to 20 gyms sometimes. So my whole background is in fitness and franchising, right? So marry the two together. And then um, really that's what I do on the international team with our 
um, international markets. So, but working for self-esteem brands, our uh, mission statement is to improve the self-esteem of the world, which sounds probably so cliche to so many people, but like, if you come in my office, I think we have about 400 employees there. It's absolutely the core mission of every person in that building. And they hire and fire accordingly um, to make sure that the culture matches the mission statement and the level of passion and dedication and commitment from everyone that I work with is super duper amazing. Um, and so even though it's my quote unquote day job, um, you know, the mission is still the same. We're still helping people. We're still, our, um, tagline is let's make healthy happen. Right. Yeah. So getting people to break their unhealthy habits and get to a healthier place and lead happier lives is, um, you know, what we're all about. And so when you kind of cross that over and to until death, which is my own business. Um, it's really just my own mission, kind of more targeted, not just to veterans, but we obviously have a very heavy veteran following because our team is a lot of um, veterans as well. Um, and helping our veterans prevent suicide ideation and things like that is a passion um, that's really near and dear to my heart because I've um, lost people very close to me in my life to suicide um, because they got out of the army and they lost their sense of purpose and they lost their team and, and their quote unquote identity. Um, and so I actually got involved working with veterans because through my organization, self-esteem brands, um, they pay for a secondary education and they invest a lot of money into us, of course. And because I work with, um, you know, multimillionaire international businessmen and I am like American to the core and a blonde <laughs> and super bubbly and a female and all of these things, which I love about myself, but in other cultures, sometimes are not taken super seriously. Yeah. So, um, my job actually paid for my team, the field support team, um, to go through like a bit of a psychology course and learn how to influence behavior, um, so that we can, um, not tell our partners what to do, but more lead them in the right direction. Sure. Right. Because of the way that the franchise, um, partnership works. But after I graduated that course, I started volunteering as a counselor for veterans going through transition. And that is how I got involved really in the veteran community. Um, it was my goal to honor the people that I lost, of course. And it actually turned into something more than I ever I never even knew that my heart was missing it until I started doing it, you know, and it's very ironic because I think that prior to working with veterans, I, my job was my identity, right? right. Like I always did really well. I've, I've gone really far with it. Um, like I do other consulting work because I do so well at my job and that's just who I was. And then when I started working with veterans and I found purpose in being a counselor and helping people um, process emotions that they're not 100% sure 
sure how to process and figure out their next step in life. That was like an awakening for me. And so then I had this like super amazing moment where I have this incredible job. I have this incredible, um, volunteer work that I did and it just kind of all snowballed into, um, you know, the gorilla group and now until death collective, which I'm super stoked to, uh, be a part of. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So I was taking notes because there's a, a lot you've lived, you've lived, you've done a lot of cool stuff. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back a little bit and ask some questions if that's all right. Yeah. So go for it. when you first started working at the gym, right, obviously fitness is a, is a big thing for you. And you kept going back more or less to the fitness industry, right? Training, working at yeah. the gym, all of that stuff, right? When yeah. did you decide that you wanted to more or less make it your career path and then keep the motivation to push forward and progress in both the industry and I guess, for lack of a better phrase, the corporate ladder? Yeah. That yeah, that's a good question. So, um, it's really funny because even though I have a corporate job, it doesn't feel corporate because it's such a fun job. <laughs> um, but I don't think, I don't think there was ever like this light bulb moment when I was working in the gyms and working as like a regional director and a consultant, I always saw myself opening my own gym franchises, right. Being a multi gym owner, um, because driving unit level profitability was what I was good at coaching people, being a leader, you know, that was something that I really thrive off of and being in the clubs and talking to people and seeing them work on, on themselves. Like that's a really special place to be. I don't know how many other places in the world that you can go and everybody in there is doing something to make themselves better. Yeah. Right. And that's what gyms are, which I think is really cool. Um, but anyways, I had always, I always knew like the international team in my eyes was like, um, you know, seeing like the Patriots or something. If you paid for the Oakland Raiders, who's like a super shitty team. And then you're all, all of a sudden in the room with the Patriots and they're like this VIP team. Right. Um, and you're just like, oh man, I want to play on their team someday. But there was no, there was no real path in my mind that led me there. My only goal was to, I'm very money driven. So to make as much money as possible and to impact as many lives as possible. And in doing that, like I really focused on building a team okay. and trying to impact my team's life. And, um, the way, the way that it happened was I did a really good job doing that. So, um, corporate kind of recruited me to come be the regional director for our new England region at the time. So it was like Maine, Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York. I can't, anyways, like five or six states up in New England. And that was my territory. So um, I lived there for about three years and we um, made bank running those clubs, right? Yeah. We did a really, really good job. So then um, at that point, our corporate office, I think had about 40 corporate clubs. They decided to consolidate. So they sold almost all of them. And we went from like, uh, I think 15, 15 or 20 gyms down to four. So, you know, I, I was a very bonus driven person for my salary. So obviously 
the salary cut there wasn't something that I felt like I, um, be comfortable <laughs> living on <laughs> living in my big apartment in New York, you know? Um, and so it, it was a really hard goodbye because my, my boss there, um, his name was Alex is probably one of the most influential people in my life. Like he just taught me how to be, you know, he took, he took me from the JV team to the varsity team. And he taught me how to be a leader versus a manager and like what that means and the impact that we can have. And, um, just all of this, like really, really amazingness that, that I'll, I'll never forget. We're still friends. Um, so anyways, I kind of started talking to some people, obviously I had a lot of contacts, um, in the industry. So, I got a job offer from a multi-club owner in Florida to come down and be their regional director. So I did, I took that because my family's here. Um, and so I moved back to central Florida and I think there was maybe seven clubs at the time. And, um, he, the owner needed a lot of help. Right. And so, um, I put in a lot of work and inside six months, we doubled his bottom line. Like oh, wow. we just, yeah, by, by implementing some standard operations and like really developing his team, it made a profound difference. So then we have an annual conference every year. And, you know, by that point I had made quite a name for myself and, um, I was getting job offers left and right. Like people are just like, come work for me, come work for me. And so I saw Eric, my boss now at, um, conference and I was kind of telling him like, oh, I got a job offer out in California. I, I might take it, but I have another one here and I don't know which one to do. And he's like, you would move from Florida? I was like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to be hiring. And I'm like, on the international team? He's like, yeah. I was like, say less. <laughs> so I had to turn down every opportunity that I had at that point in time for just to interview for this job. Um, and it was like a three month interview process. Yeah. And I was a hundred percent the speaky wheel. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that part of the reason they hired me was because they didn't want to listen to me. If they, <laughs> You're so if annoying. They <laughs> I'm like, did you guys hire anyone yet with the competition? Look like, how's it going? You know? Um, and so, yeah, they brought me on and I moved to Minnesota in December. I got there on December 2nd from Florida and I never looked back. Been on international. That was about four years ago. Dang. Okay. But now I live in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky. Right. I know we were talking about yeah. before we started recording <laughs> that Florida versus yeah. Minnesota, big difference. So, okay. A couple more questions. Cause I, there's, there's a lot, like, I feel like I, you need to write a book or do a Ted talk, but yeah, <laughs> um, talk. When, yeah I wanted to do a Ted talk. Anyways, um, I've been thinking about TED Talks <laughs> lately for whatever reason. Um, okay, when you were talking about uh, be, or the difference between a manager and a leader and kind of all the lessons mm -hmm. that you learned of those, what have you kind of learned or is the one that you'll take to the grave or wish that people knew more about? The one skill or thing or tidbit that you're like, this is brilliant. Um, I think... I think looking at the world now and what I've learned, this one of the most important skills that I think people could do better at is ask questions and listen with the intent to understand. Mm -hmm. 
And what I mean is like, if you and I are talking and we have a difference of opinion, I feel like so many people are just talking to their difference of opinion person to get them to agree with them, to change their mind. Right. Instead of saying, Hey, you have a difference of opinion than I do. And I want to learn more about why you feel that way just to have a more mutual understanding. It's always like, I want to convert you. I want you, I want your opinion to be my opinion when, you know, whether it comes down to someone doing something wrong operationally, instead of saying, Hey, don't do that. Do it this way. Simply asking, Hey, tell me more about why you're doing it this way. Right. Maybe there's a good fucking reason. Um, but as you evolve that, right. And just go like into politics or religion or any faux pas subject, I feel like people get so mad without even understanding why or where the other person is coming from. Like, it's just mad because we see things differently Yeah, and that's unfortunate. So that's a, that's a, that's a tough skill. I believe to go develop, how hard was that for you to go learn and kind of get comfortable with being uncomfortable in a weird way? I mean, it's years and years of intense, intentful practice, right? I mean, extra schooling. Um, and like, also I would say practicing stoicism because it's really hard to ask questions and be detached, emotionally detached from the answer. Right. Um, if you, are looking more from an operational perspective, not so much, but when you look at the bigger things in life, like relationships and, um, you know, politics, religion, whatever, when you ask someone a question and what they say hurts you, or you feel so passionately different, it's really hard not to get frustrated or emotional in return. And so like practicing, not being emotionally attached to the outcome, to the answer, or even if it is emotional, like maintaining that composure and keeping an open mind, I think it's a never ending journey. Right. And, um, I see people a lot, you know, especially when I, when I go overseas and I work with people and stuff like that, when I ask questions, I see people afraid to tell the truth sometimes because their whole life, when they tell the truth, they get in trouble, right? Like there's a consequence versus if you tell me the truth, like I'm more grateful that I have the truth versus, um, anything that you would have told me, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, I don't, I think it's, I think it is a very hard skill to master. I'm certainly not perfect at it, but I, I want to say like maybe my late twenties, it was something that, um, I really started focusing on. So almost 10 years, maybe like nine years. Um, and I put it into practice daily in my life daily. And, you know, if I, if I, if I know that I can't ask a question and not be emotionally attached to the answer, I just have to be disciplined enough to myself to not ask that question (laughs) or wait. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I've been learning slowly, but surely kind of the detachment of those questions. Sometimes, you know, it's been a Mm -hmm. challenge because sometimes you get heated or frustrated or you know, irritated at not having the right answer (laughs) that asking the question becomes more and more difficult. Um, Okay. So another uh, thing that I'm thinking about, so you've obviously done 
in the professional world very, very well for yourself, right? To be in a spot that you get a lot of different offers and kind of getting your pick of the litter, right? What advice do you have for people that are, you know, trying to do maybe follow in your footsteps in a way or being a female in the industry, right? I don't know how best to ask that, right? But what advice do you have for somebody trying to grow themselves or build their own portfolio to join the varsity team, for instance? Yeah, I'll outwork everybody, be the hardest person working in the room and like know your metrics for success. Like if I know the needle that I'm trying to move and what I'm doing isn't working or the needle's not moving in the right direction, you have to be able to pivot and iterate, right? Um, but, you know, I worked for a shit salary, like peanuts for probably five years before I ever started making any real money, right? Um, and I worked nights, I worked weekends, I worked holidays, like literally Thanksgiving, Christmases. And then I got to a place where I was making real money and I doubled down. Like I worked twice as hard and I sacrificed relationships. Like it was a point of contention many of times, you know, you work too much, get off the computer, things like that. But it was what was most important to me, you know? Um, and I knew in my heart that if I continued to go down that road and I continued to produce the results that I was producing, like the world was my oyster, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and I, like I said, like I didn't intend on going to international. I always thought I was going to be working with an investor running a multi-club operation. Um, and I had, you know, so many people are like, Hey, when you're ready, when you're ready, but there was maybe something inside of me that just knew I was not ready because something bigger was on the horizon. I'm not sure. Cause I never pulled the trigger. Um, and then like, you know, I kind of like live by this saying it's called fuck yes or no. And so if the answer like, isn't fuck yes, like if it doesn't make me feel like fuck yes, then I really have to reevaluate if it's something I'm going to move towards or not. So when I got the, the, um, international opportunity, like everything in my body was like, fuck yes. Whereas when I was thinking about other offers that were on the table, I was teetering and tottering and like talking to a lot of people and trying to like, what do I do? I don't know if this is the right direction. And like, as soon as I heard it, I was like that one, you know? And I think, um, I think that applies to a lot of different situations in life. Like we spend a lot of time, um, worrying about shit that we don't even really want, you know, but maybe, maybe society has made us feel like we should do that, or we should want that, or we should go in that direction, or we get lost, especially like in the context of relationships, like chasing someone, not because we really want them, but because we want them to want us. So when you abide by the law of fuck yes or no, it's getting really in touch with yourself and knowing like that gets my heart excited. I'm going to go after that or fucking don't. I like that. I'm going to have to think about that kind of just in context of everything. Right. I mean, okay. I'm going to get super introspective later. I'm going to, so I'm going out, I'm going out for my ride right on my way to the gym. And I'm totally going to be thinking about all the different fuck yes or fuck no's because it's a really fun concept. I like that. Okay. Okay. So know your metrics, outwork everybody take the hit sometimes. Right. And then fuck yes or fuck no is what I heard. Yes. 
I like that. That'll okay. be the title of my book. <laughs> fuck yes or fuck no. What a, everything you just said. You should. That actually be that would be a fun book. That's like a, the next New York Times bestseller. Yeah, that's not my motto. That's someone someone wrote a whole article on it. I can't remember where I read it, but um, someone else had had definitely come up with that, and I just abide by it. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So all of this life experience then has led you into kind of learning your veteran outreach, right? You have, you know, your love and passion for working with veterans and the veteran community, and then taking the mental health aspect of it, right? And then bringing that into um, until death collective, right? How did that all shape and form? And where did that all really stem from? Yeah. Um, Well, my dad is a veteran. Um, He was in the Marines for I think 24 years, 25 years, however long their contracts are. Um, so obviously like just that military brat blood is like deep inside of me. Right. Um, and then as I grew up, I lost some people who were older than me closer to, um, I lost into suicide, but I was a little bit too young to kind of understand the context of it. But, um, I learned as I was going through, um, my psychology courses that it, it weighed on me more than I knew. Right. And what I was doing at that point in time was like trying to save the wrong people because like it, you know, that trauma from a child or whatnot, um, was weighing on me. And I didn't, I didn't, it was all subconscious. I didn't even know any of it. So I figured it out. Um, they're like this super painful process. Right. And it's like, like, I feel like we, when someone talks about healing, sometimes it sounds so straightforward, especially because you can't really, um, spit it all out on a podcast, but it was like, um, like I was having this total fucking breakdown and I didn't know what was going on. And Um, I was engaged at the time I was depressed. I was, you know, in the middle of traveling the world for work and I had a beautiful home and this beautiful neighborhood and a fiance and all of the things. But then I was like, so unhappy. And, um, I figured this out while I was going to school, like at night (laughs) and, um, it changed everything. So I kind of recognized that and it gave me the power, I guess, to, to leave the relationship that I was in, um, and start setting boundaries, which was something that was so foreign to me, you know? Um, and so once I realized how heavy that weighed on me and I got the education that I needed to start working with people and hopefully help them have the same revelations or prevent them from even going down the same path that I did. Like that just became my mission. And, um, I started volunteering as a counselor for an organization for nonprofit organization. And, um, one of my friends, his name is Matt. He's on Instagram. He was a cop and my dad was a cop. And he got into, he's very public. I'm not sharing anything that I shouldn't be sharing. He's very public (laughs) about his story, just so everyone knows. Um, And he uh, had gotten into a really bad car accident and 
he couldn't work anymore. He was not that long out of the military, former Green Beret. And um, I just kind of reached out to him and said, hey, I'm, you know, I just graduated. I just started working with veterans. I can see the position that you're in. This is what I do. I would really love to work together because I feel like I could help you. And he said, okay. And so we started working together. Um, and I think we, we did sessions for a little bit over a year. And, um, he kind of introduced me to a lot of other people in the community. And he started talking publicly about the work that he and I did together and how it impacted his life. Um, at which point, like more people started reaching out to me, um, to do work together. So it kind of just all snowballed because he believed in me. He believed in my ability to help him. And it actually, you know, he tells people that I changed his life, but I think like he changed mine just as much, you know? Um, and so that was the start of counseling veterans. And then I got involved with the guerrilla group subsequently. Um, and I was able to, you know, it's really unfortunate with our community and I'm going to say this and I hope everyone doesn't hate me, but, um, you know, a lot of people really rally behind, um, green berets and like that cool guy persona and stuff like that. And so even though I was infinitely proud of the work that I was doing, and I feel like it was really important, I can't say that like the community cared, you know? Um, and then I connected with Ryan and we started building the gorilla group more aggressively. And I, because of Ryan, I had this amazing platform where all of a sudden, like people were actually listening to me and listening to what I was saying and, um, you know, really hungry for, for life lessons and stuff. And so, um, that was such a blessing and it, that changed my whole life in a completely different trajectory, you know, even though we parted ways. Um, but that was the first time that I feel like I had a platform to actually make a difference. Um, and then once I established a reputation in the community, I think, um, the rest was history, you know? Yeah. I kind of, I feel like I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. You can just interrupt me at any point in time. No, this is, this is great. This is how, this is how it goes. So fear not. Okay. So did you go back to school then for psychology and counseling? Yeah. Yes. For behavioral analytics. So, um, not to go, like, I didn't go to school to be a counselor for veterans. Mm -hmm. We went, I went to study behavioral science and psychology. And, um, that is where I ended (laughs) Got it. Okay. Okay. Cause I know yeah. that you'd mentioned one psychology course, but I didn't know, I didn't realize that it was like a whole entourage of classes and everything. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. oh yeah, it was a whole, a whole degree. So I went to school, um, at night and all that good stuff when I wasn't traveling. That's <laughs> It was, a uh, yeah, it was like one of the most trying, I think, points in my life just because of everything, you know, that Fine. I had already said. It's like, yeah, like <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> I didn't want to do it, but I didn't have a choice. I actually had to do it. So, um, yeah, it was it, but I wouldn't change anything. Right. Like we got through it and then, um, it's what it's, it's what got me to where I am now. So, right. 
Right. Yeah. So then when you started doing um, your, I guess your counseling and working in kind of the, the veteran world, working through sessions and everything, I mean, what did that look like? Was it kind of just fishing for, I don't know if clients is the right word, or was it just like jumping in and showing up to these events and saying, let's talk? No, it was, um, well, I worked with the organization, Friends of Vets, and um, they kind of put me with a few people at first. And I reached out to Matt on Instagram when he was going through all of those things that he was going through. And once Matt started talking about it, that's when like people just started reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. And so um, my plate actually got pretty full pretty fast. But then we did um, a sobriety challenge with the gorilla group. I forget what year it was, just December of one year. And part of um, part of what we did for the sobriety challenge was offering um, free coaching for anybody who felt like they needed extra accountability or maybe was like going through some small to us time. So it was over the holidays, right? It's like Christmas, New Year's. And I got four people or three other people that I graduated with to commit to volunteer time. And so we put it out on the gorilla group, um, like mass email, Instagram or whatever. And we had about 20 people come back and say, I want to work with a coach. So it was five clients per coach, which was very doable, I thought. Um, it was about an hour a week, right? So mm-hmm. five hours of work per week. Well, like after the first week, every other person who had committed to volunteering their time um, bailed. So, you know, I at that point, I felt more morally obligated to like be there for these people because I didn't they said they needed help. And then I couldn't just say, Oh, well, sorry, I'm too busy now. Right. So my whole life turned into work. And so actually <clears throat> it was so fortuitous that COVID happened because now I was home all the time. I didn't have to travel. All of our franchises globally were closed down. So I had right. a lot of extra time on my hands, but I was still working, you know, but, um, I worked essentially maybe it's like three or four in the afternoon. And then my evenings were counseling sessions, right. Which, um, was great. We committed to doing three. I, when we asked if people needed help, we committed to doing about three months of work. And then we got through it those three months. And, um, at the end of those three months, I had like an emotional breakdown. (laughs) I was like, I have to take a step back because I just felt like between, you know, work where we had our franchisees are bleeding money in every country, like their governments shut them down. There's no way to generate revenue. And everyone was, they were losing up, excuse me, everything. Like it was traumatic for them, which a very empathetic person made it traumatic for me, you know? And then at nighttime, I was talking to people who had also very traumatic experiences. And I just like every night I would get done and I would just like lay in my bed and cry and not cry. Like, because I was, um, like, I wasn't sad or like, I wasn't missing out on life or anything. I just felt sad because like, there's so much that there was so much sadness in the world. And I was part of something bigger than myself, which is the gorilla group. And we were 
generating so much momentum and our sobriety pledge did amazing. And that steamrolled into our um, first my zone challenge. And so there was positivity there, but emotionally I felt like I had the world on my shoulders. Like it was, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of emotional breakdowns, but that was one of them. And, um, yeah, so I had it. I took a step back from, from working directly with anybody with the exception of a, a couple people who were like, Hey, I still really want to work with you. I still really need your help. Um, and so I stayed committed to working with them, but I had to kind of, after I was done, just say, I need a break from this. So yeah, that's where I ended with that. So yeah. how hard was that for you to decide to take a break, right? Being, being a person that cares so much, right? Oh, it was and- terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. And it's, it was super funny because one of my friends had asked me, um, at one point in time, it was on uh, new year's Eve. I want to say of 2018, maybe 2020. And, um, he's like, well, what have you ever had to give one up your job, the gorilla group or counseling? Like, which one would you give up? I'm like, none of them. Like, I, I can't see myself ever giving one of them up Sure. because I felt so needed in each aspect. Right. But then it got to the point where I did have to give one up and it was counseling and it was, I think like, I think I probably still carry some guilt with me about it, you know, because, um, I don't know, it's, it's super hard to explain, but like, you know, like the whole mentality of save yourself first, but that feels I don't, I don't know why that feels wrong, but that's probably, uh, you know, work that I have left that needs to be done because it's a, um, maybe like a codependency of some sort, but, um, yeah, it was really hard. It's still hard. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Right. I mean, knowing that you would change somebody's life only to come back the next time and say, Hey, I've got to look at myself for a minute and (laughs) make sure I'm squared or squared away. Yeah. So Go ahead. I was just going to say it's, you know, when I, when I talk to people and I give them mental wellness advice, the advice that I always give is that they have to follow their heart and, and do what puts them in a healthy mental space, right? Not what puts anybody else in a mental space. If someone gets mad or upset or whatever, that's okay. If they have the, the capacity to feel their own feelings and the room to feel their own feelings, you don't have control over that. And so I hear myself say that out loud to other people and that's what I try to live by. But the empath in me (laughs) is like, what are you doing? So it's push forward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've made it through counseling uh, or I guess working on counseling uh, and then you've started until death. How did until death start and what does it mean to you? What do you guys stand for? How do people go help out and get joined in. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I parted ways with the gorilla group, um, for a multitude of reasons, but when I parted ways, I had this extensive community kind of rally behind me and encourage me to continue the work that I was doing, start my own thing. They would support me. Um, a lot of people who I hold in high regard just relentlessly cheered me on. Yeah. And um, 
I had been talking out loud with my boyfriend about doing my own thing, getting something off the ground, you know, having something built from the core value of integrity. And like, I really want to protect that, like never let anything touch that, um, that value. And we were, it was funny because like we were kind of throwing around different names and, you know, I'm traveling in Europe while all of this is happening. So, um, never a dull moment. And so we were spitting things around and I, I come up with a, a couple different names and I reached out to some friends. I'm like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And then, um, ultimately I had bought this piece of artwork a long time ago and, um, I was, I had pulled it up and used it for something and, um, it had to do with a coffin, right. And skateboarding and stuff like that. And so I was like, yeah, until death, like fucking skateboarding until <laughs> death. You know what I mean? And then I was like, wait, like I that actually sticks. really, yeah. I was like, I really like that concept until death. Like I'm so like feeling so committed to, um, my mission and my purpose and my core values, like until the day that I die. And it's not like, Hey, I'm going to be perfect until death. It's I'm committed to working on what I believe in. And even if I fuck up or get it wrong, I'm going to restart and continue going down that path until the day that I die. Like I'm never going to give up. And, um, it comes in so many different facets. Right. So like for me, I'm a big outdoor sports person. I love skateboarding. I love surfing. I love the beach. I love rock climbing, like all of these things, um, that kind of fuel me with adrenaline, but also just give me like a place to turn my fucking head off sometimes because it never stops. And, um, you know, I boxed competitively for, uh, several years and I just really feel, you know, we built that community. There was something that we did in the gorilla group. I think really well was like, we built community around teaching people stuff like this. And when I, when I walked away from the gorilla group, I was like, well, I'm walking away from my ability to influence people in that facet but really I wasn't at all. And so, um, what I started to, to notice was that I had so many amazing people in my life who did things that I, that I don't do like, um, you know, horseback riding or firefighting or motorcycle riding or skydiving, like all of these really dope things that, um, you know, I've done, I've done a few times, but it's not like my area of expertise, but they do these things and they live by the same values that I do. And they're cheering me on. And I was just like, why are we not fucking like all rallying together and continuing (laughs) our mission forward? Right. And so I hit up my friends and I just said, uh, this is what I'm thinking. This is, um, the core concept that I have for until death. I can't do it alone. I, I definitely don't want this to be like my thing or something that centers around me. Like I want it to center around the community and I want our team of athletes, um, to be like the people that lead by example and set the tone and inspire the larger community to get up, get outside, get moving, learn a new hobby. Um, we, all of our athletes, so we're just, so we're like, 
very, very baby bird new company right now, right? Um, literally formed maybe two weeks ago, officially, <laughs> um, on the fly while I'm traveling through Europe. And um, what we're doing is all of our athletes, so we have a, a team of 20, they have a MyZone heart rate monitor. Some of them don't even have a heart, a heart rate monitor yet because they haven't come in and I haven't gotten to ship them out yet because everything's so new, but everybody will have a heart rate monitor within the next couple of weeks. Um, and so what the heart rate monitor does is it connects everybody to an app and on the app, you can see as you're working out or as you're doing any sort of physical activity, how hard you're working based on your calculated max heart rate. Right. Okay. So if my heart rate say stays working at 70% of my exertion level, I'm going to get three points per minute that I, my heart rate is in that zone. So at the mm. end of my workout, I have what's called my zone effort points awarded to me. And, um, I can compare those to other people. So you have a feed just like you would on Instagram, but it's all work, other people's workouts and activities. Right. Right. And so maybe I can see that you earned a hundred meps in your workout today, or I could see that my friend Mandy Thomas earned 200 cause she's a fucking beast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like more importantly, you can encourage each other. Right. So I know in the fitness game, like my heart rate is never going to earn me the most mess. Like I am not in the gym killing myself. Like some people are, I'm more yeah. strategic. Like I work hard. Um, I lift, I take a lot of rest time, but I'm not like my heart rate's not constantly up there. So I'm, I'm never going to have as many maps, but for somebody who is maybe not a gym person or just wants to compete against some of the people that we have on our athletic team. Cause we have some really, really amazing people on our athletic team. Um, and they get out and they go for a walk or they go on their stand-up paddleboard or, um, they wear it while they're at the skate park or roller skating or something like that. They're still earning maps because their heart rate is elevated. Sure. And then we have the opportunity as leaders in the community to say, Hey, great fucking job getting outside today you crushed it you know like you can like and comment on these people's um status so it makes it i think a really warm and welcoming place um for everybody to stay active which is ultimately how we combat mental illnesses like depression anxiety um add ptsd like exercise and physical activity have direct correlations with, um, improving mental illnesses. So we always want to encourage the community to move. So in addition to encouraging them, we are going to incentivize them. Yeah. So, um, every month, anybody who earns 1500 maps or more is automatically entered into a raffle and they'll win whatever the prize is that month. So, you know, this is our first month. We kind of did everything super fast. Alpha Elite Performance was one of the first organizations that reached out to me. Like, how can I help? We're in your corner. What can we do? And I was just like, can you make a donation for the prize this <laughs> month? <laughs> and they did. So they came up with a, with a really great supplement package to donate to the winner for um, our challenge this month. And we've already got it kicked off. So, um, you know, we're out there moving, we're holding each other accountable. 
And as we grow, I think our prize packages will grow too, right? Like we'll continue to have higher value items to really incentivize the community to get out there. And, you know, my zone heart rate monitor is about a hundred bucks. So it's not cheap um, by any means, but once you have one, you have one and it's never any more money again, you know, like you don't have to pay to enter these contests or anything. Um, And so once they have it, they can enter any month just by, doing what they already do, you know? So then is, uh, is until death right now solely focused on the fitness aspect of it or is it? No, it's not just fitness at all. No, like it's about experiencing everything that life has to offer, Mm -hmm. living your best life. If you never buy a heart rate monitor, like our team of athletes, um, you can, I, like, I looked at our, I look at our Instagram page and I get fucking stoked. I'm like, <laughs> look at these people just like doing amazing look things. Look at these right? motherfuckers out here living. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, one of our athletes, Pierce, he's former, um, army ranger. He is super amazing. He has, um, he has his own company that's dedicated to, um, peak performance and stuff like that. But he like, lives and breathes everything that I feel like, um, until death is about like he chases Stoke, just loves to live life on the edge. And, um, he recently posted a video, we shared it to our story. And so many people are like, yo, this inspired me. I want to go do this. (laughs) And it was like him jumping off of a cliff with a rope on, you know what I mean? Like just total full send. Um, but like, what his full send might not be your full send. Right. Right, Like, so maybe, maybe looking at our page and kind of seeing some of us do things outside of our comfort zone just inspires the, the, the person who's scared to go into a group setting to go and make some new friends, right. To show up at an event or meet up or something like that and say, Hey, like I'm new here. I really want to be a part of this community that you're cultivating. So you know, what, what gets my adrenaline going might not be what gets your adrenaline going. And I'm a pretty, uh, outgoing, fearless type of person. So like I push that limit, but I think everybody is really well aware that most people are not like that. And we want to target them just as much as we would target stoke chasers, right? Like the people who just want someone to talk to you or hang out with, like, fucking slide in those DMS, you know, like <laughs> get in my zone and we'll cheer you on like whatever it takes. So it's not like, um, you know, because there's only, there's only so many people in this world that are going to jump out of airplanes and jump off cliffs and stuff like that, you know, go hundred on their <laughs> yeah. Um, but we want everyone to feel like we've got your back. And that's, I think really what it is, is a team of people who are committed to having each other's backs and the community is back more than anything. Like everyone on our team leads by example and wants to make a difference. And it, it inspires the fuck out of me. Sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're this little baby organization. I think we have like 400 followers on Instagram now, which is nothing, you know, but <laughs> like, I still see the people that are rallying behind me and I see what they're doing before I ever came along, you know, and like just the fact that I get to bring everybody together and 
like now we're all on one mission moving in the same direction. I feel like our reach just, um, exponentially expands, you know, and like our impact can, can be so much more profound. And I think that's super special. Yeah. 400 friends though. It's not anything you can shake a stick at. So, (laughs) you know, I I don't know. I feel like, I feel like 400 of the right friends you can do, you can do a whole hell of a lot. So if people want to get involved, obviously, you said slide into the DMs on the Instagrams. Do you guys have a website, everything else all set up or still in no, the works? Nothing. Websites, <laughs> websites are a nightmare though. So yeah, I can, um, I will, I can build websites and all that stuff. So I will build one. Um, but as you can imagine, like there's so many things on my list of priorities right now. Yeah. And I we leave again on Monday for some more travel. So I'm like, <laughs> so you're you like know, websites, not really. <laughs> yeah, like I just like barricade myself in my office for uh, a, a week. weekend or something. I'll do it up. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we've covered a lot, um, a lot of ground. Uh, one of my favorite questions is of, you know, all the things that you know or have learned or wish you would have learned. You know, what would you like to share with somebody that you might not feel uh, you get to share a whole heck of a lot? Um, it's a good question. Something that I would share that I don't share a lot. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a life lesson or a skill or something that you're like, I feel like people would benefit from X. I feel like people would benefit from. Oh, you should have emailed me this question. I'm sorry. Okay. We can, we can skip that one. No, it's good. (laughs) Um, No, wait, I want to answer it though. Cause I think it's a really good question. It's my favorite loaded question. Super loaded. Super loaded. Um, I think, I think that one of my biggest lessons or that I want people to feel is that like, you have the power to make a difference now, like no matter where you are or what you're doing, I feel like by being committed to spreading kindness and seeking to understand one another, you can impact so many people's lives because one thing that I've experienced for sure is that people just need people to talk to like someone that's committed to listening and you know, that, that, and I choose those words like committed to listening very carefully because not committed to telling their own stories, not committed to saying, Oh, I've been through that too. Or my, you know, so-and-so did that. And um, just really being committed to hearing your story and giving them the space to feel whatever they feel is um, powerful. And so we all have that power inside of us now. And um, I would like to see more people tap into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, other than that, is there anything else that has been left unsaid that you would like to get out there? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't- I wasn't like a hundred percent sure what to expect. It's like so weird. It's uncomfortable for me at least to sit and talk about myself for however long we've been talking. Like 
Like I'm sweating. My palms are sweaty. I'm like, <laughs> well, oh, it was okay. good. I appreciate it. I, I learned <laughs> some, some, some stuff, right. Different ways of thinking. I still, I wrote the, the fuck yes or fuck no. Like that, yeah. I think if everything, that's like the one thing for me that, that stuck out. So I'm totally going to go sit on that one. Cause I like, <laughs> it's a simple thing. Yeah, there's you know, like, like, if there's anyone, like, I feel like that listens to me talk for an hour, like, thanks for listening. Maybe that's something I should say. <laughs> I appreciate your dedication to just hearing me go on and on. No, it was good. It was good. good. Awesome. Ashley, once again, thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down with me and uh, share your story. Um, in the episode description, uh, I will link both Ashley's uh, uh, Instagram as well as uh, Until Death Collective. That way, if you uh, feel like uh, getting plugged in or uh, supporting her cause, you will uh, you will be able to find it very easily. But otherwise, I hope you all took something away from this, uh, something to chew on throughout the week. Maybe it's some good information to uh, move forward uh, in your life with. But otherwise, I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will catch you next time.